The stories in this book have been told and retold, cherished and revered by literally billions of people over thousands of years. People have devoted their entire lives to studying this book. There are hundreds of thousands of commentaries on it. And many people believe that this book had to have been written by God. The Torah, what's so special about it? Why is it so mesmerizing? And how has it managed to capture the human imagination for millennia? I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at Ikar in Los Angeles, and together we're going to study the weekly Torah portion of the Parsha and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. Parshanut, the study of Torah commentary, can often feel like detective work. You discover a strange note in one place, and in it there are clues that send you to another location. Then when you get there, you realize you're still missing important information, and you have to check one more place, and maybe one more after that, until slowly a story begins to come together. So our case this week begins at the inauguration ceremony for the tabernacle. It's an atmosphere of great celebration, and every day a new tribe comes forth to bring their offerings. These tributes are presented by the princes, the appointed heads of each tribe, as we learn in this seemingly innocuous line. V'ekrivu nisie Israel, the princes of Israel, the heads of the ancestral houses, all brought offerings. They were the princes of the tribes, the ones who stood over the counted. Okay, sounds straightforward enough, but if you know our friend Rashi, you can guess what's going to bother him here. He doesn't like extra words and phrases in the Torah. So why does the verse repeat that they were the princes of the tribes? We already called them the princes. So Rashi takes this as an allusion to some other setting, a hint that these princes are the same people who had already been appointed to perform some other task long before. Here's what Rashi says. Shayayu shotrim alehem b'mitzrayim. They were officers over the people in Egypt, and they were beaten on account of the people. As it says in Exodus chapter 5, and the officers of the children of Israel were beaten. Now that's true. Back in Egypt, the slaves were overseen not just by Egyptian taskmasters, but at a secondary level by Israelites who were chosen to supervise groups of slaves and make sure they did their work. This role is common in systems of forced labor. Think of capos in Nazi Germany. And it functions not only to enforce a system of hierarchy, but more insidiously to turn victim against victim by predicating one slave's reward on the suffering of the others. However, it seems that these Israelite officers did not give in to the demands of their superiors and abuse their less fortunate brothers and sisters. For it is true, as Rashi quotes from Exodus, that the officers were the ones beaten by their Egyptian overseers, who accused them of not managing to push the required productivity rates. So, it was on account of their great self-sacrifice, their willingness to bear pain themselves, rather than inflict harm on their own kinsmen, that they became recognized as leaders. 
And when freedom finally came to the children of Israel, it was these noble officers who were elected the official princes of their tribes. It's a touching tribute indeed to see these men who once suffered so much now honored with ceremonial privileges. As they now come forward with their tribe's offerings, they're also being recognized for their own sacrifices and receiving the admiration of their people. Lovely, but there's more to the story. If we follow Rashi's citation back to the book of Exodus, to the moment where these officers are being beaten, we find that Rashi has left us another note at the scene. His comments there are more expansive and suggest that these officers went on to become more than just princes. The officers were Israelites, he says, and they had pity on their fellows and did not press them. They would turn the bricks over to the taskmasters, who were Egyptians, and when something was missing from the required amount, the Egyptians would whip them because they did not press the workers. Yeah, okay, that much we knew. But then Rashi goes on. Lefikach zaku otam shotrim liot sanhedrin. Therefore, those officers merited to become the Sanhedrin. And some of the spirit that was upon Moses was taken and placed upon them. As it says in Numbers chapter 11, Gather to me seventy men of the elders of Israel, those that you know. That is, you know the good they did in Egypt, for they are the elders of the people and its officers. Now, this is a revelation. The officers who were beaten in Egypt went on to become not only princely dignitaries, but members of the Sanhedrin, the great supreme court of ancient Israel. This court was based, by tradition, on a group of 70 elders that God appointed to assist Moses when he was beginning to crack under all the weight of his responsibilities. These 70 people were to serve as the chief advisors of the people, a kind of legal high council. And Rashi connects these elders back to our heroes in Exodus with some classic Midrashic word linking. Because at the end of the verse in Numbers, when they're appointed, wouldn't you know it, they're referred to as officers. So it seems that our princes earned more than glory through their sacrifice. They merited also a seat on the highest court in the land. Well, the plot has thickened, but there's still more to this story. We have one final stop before we conclude our investigation. For if we chase down Rashi's citation again, this time back to the book of Numbers, where he says these 70 elders are appointed, we find him there, once again, asking a difficult question. And where were the original elders? Weren't there elders back in Egypt who sat with Moses and Aaron? As it says there, go gather the elders of Israel. Now he's right. This isn't the first place we've heard of elders. There was already an established group of elders back in Egypt. They were the first to hear of Moses' encounter with God. They accompanied Moses and Aaron to confront the Pharaoh. 
They even, after the great revelation at Mount Sinai, went with Moses some ways up the mountain and there beheld an astounding vision of God. And then, we're told, they sat down to eat and drink there on the mountain. So, whatever happened to those elders if we're now busy appointing new ones? Rashi answers, But they, those elders, they died just before this in the fire at Tavera. They merited this punishment from Sinai because they saw God, but they were behaving carelessly, like someone munching his bread while speaking to the king. This is what it means when it says there that they ate and drank. So why did the old elders die? Because they didn't take their responsibility seriously. They were there to serve the people, but they used their office as a way of collecting perks. Their tenure as elders was characterized by a cavalier indulgence. Could such frivolous men ever be trusted with the weighty task of judging the people? No, our judges and leaders cannot be people of privilege who've lived lives of ease and comfort. For without some understanding of human suffering, they will never feel the pressing need for justice. That's why the high court was made up of officers who had once been beaten as slaves. For in the course of all their suffering, they had gained a profound wisdom. Their legal education took place in the fields, and they learned hard lessons from the whip of the taskmaster. They know what it is to be wretched, and so when the wretched come and stand before them, they will know that they must judge carefully, with understanding and with mercy. For they are uniquely able to see that the one who today is held in bondage may one day walk freely as a prince among his people. Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom, and our theme song is Pitrouli by Hillel Tigay. You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever if you haven't already. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work, you can visit us at ecar.org and donate or Venmo us at ecarla. That's I-K-A-R-L-A. Thanks a lot and see you next week.